pertaining to the world to come, the Talmud tells us that after the coming of Mashiach, God will prepare a beautiful su'uda, a beautiful meal for all the righteous, implying all of his children, the Amech Kulam Sadikim, we are all righteous. And at this meal, he's going to serve delicious food. The Leviathan, the salted fish, the herring, the Shehabur, delicious meat and steak, fruit, and wine. <clears throat> the question comes to mind, where do we find the story of Leviathan? How do we know about it in the Torah? And what is the meaning for us today? If you look at your syllabus, we start with Genesis one twenty-one. There the Torah says, It says that God created the great sea monsters. The A's call Nefesh Achaya and all of the living creatures etc., etc. And God saw that this was good. Says Rashi, what does it mean? Hataninim, these great sea monsters. So Rashi quotes Divri Agoda, he brings down from the Medrish, from the Talmud. This represents the great fish known as Leviasa. And it's Benzugoy, which means its spouse. Shabaram, and when God created them, he created them Zachon a cave, male and female. And then what did he do? Vahar, I guess, in the cave, he killed the female. Umalacha, la tzadikim, la And he put away the female fish for the tzadikim for the world to come. Why? What was the reason that he couldn't allow the, the, the cave, the female Leviathan to live? Because if they would multiply, the world would not endure because of them. The world would not be able to exist because of these two big giant fishes. They would overpower the world, there would be no world, and therefore he had to kill the female. There are many obvious questions that come to mind. Number one, why not kill the male? Why do you have to kill the female? Why did she do wrong? Number two, if you're going to serve the female when Mashiach comes, so don't create her in the begin the begin with in the beginning. Don't create her at all. Let let God create her after Mashiach comes, and then serve her at the meal. 
What is the idea of salting this this fish? Kosher. Is this fish a kosher fish? Or is it not a kosher fish? So let us begin to explore the the idea of this Leviasan on the level of, of Pshat and Nemez and Drush and Soyed and Chsidis, etc., etc. So first and foremost, we just explained, according to Pshat, according to the simple interpretation, what it means that God created that Teninim Hagdelim, these great fishes. On one hand, it says Teninim, which is plural. And yet, there's only one. And therefore, Rashi says, this implies that there were two to begin with, and one was killed. Now, what is the reason why God needs to create two of these fishes? So one explanation is, as Rashi says later on, that it's not good for man to be alone. Rashi over there explains that if man would be alone, if Adam would be alone, then people would think that Adam is God. In other words, in heaven is one, which is God, and down here there's one, which is man. And to remove all doubt, to remove any question that man may be a God, says Rashi, man also needs a wife. So there has to be male and female. And this is true for all aspects of creation, that there is two. God is one, and everything else in creation is two. Which is one of the reasons why the Torah begins with the letter Bez. Bez is two. When it comes to creation, there's two. Only God is one. So this is the simple interpretation that God created two in order to remove all doubt that there is any other power or deity outside of God. And that is why in the, in the actual Torah, in the text, there's the letter Yud missing to imply that it's only one Leviasa, not two Leviasa. On one hand, grammatically, it means two. However, the way it's written is only as one. Implying that today there's only one Leviathan and not two. And that's why again the word Taninim has one Yud instead of two Yuds. What is the Remez? What is the hint? The hint is that by learning the actual scripture, by learning the actual Pasuk in Genesis that talks about creation, already we're hinted and we are told what's going to happen in the world to come. On one hand, you can say, why does God have to talk about the world to come now? We're talking about creation, what He created on day one, on, on day two, on day three, on day four, on day five. Yet all of a sudden, in creation, He has to tell us that in the world to come, there's going to be this Leviasa. What's the reason, reason behind this? And it's important to note that the Masha a commentary on the Talmud says, don't think that this is on a spiritual level or it's theoretical or it's midrashic, which means it's a parable, but there's going to be a literal, a literal meal 
Now, as the Maral of Prague explains, that it's called the Suda because you're going to be satisfied here. It's going to be a, a true meal that you walk away physically and spiritually satisfied. You're not going to be hungry after this meal. But it's going to be physical. There's, there's an actual fish that was created because why would God tell us this in the five days or six days of creation if it wasn't true? Just like everything else that happened over these days of creation are true. He created fish and he created bird and he created the flowers and he created man. The same is true. We created these taninim hagadolim, these giant fishes as well. So the rem is, the hint is that in the future there will be this big meal of the Leviathan and, and the and the and the Shehaber, which is delicious meat, and Yayin Amishumar, which is also wine, that God already hid during the first days of creation. He took off from the tree, from the original grapes, and he's allowing these grapes to preserve the wine inside of it, and therefore you're going to have delicious ancient wine. And as the, the Chavaz Chaim explains that the fruits that were in the Garden of Eden, being that God himself created it at day one, were the most strongest, most tastiest, most potent food and fruit of life. All the fruit that we have today has lost its potency and its strength and its taste because it has gone through many generations and many transformations. But the original fruit is the most tastiest, and God wanted to preserve this for the future, that we should have the ability to truly taste the, the sweetness and the, the aroma of this amazing grape and, and wine. So the hint is that that is going to be in the future this amazing meal. What is the Drush? What's the homiletics? So we have a verse in the book of Tehillim. In Psalm 104. And King David says something there which is a bit of an of enigma. He says the Leviathan. What is the Leviathan? This Leviathan that God created, why did he create it? It says Lesachic boy. God created the Leviathan because he wanted to play with him. He wanted a playmate. Comes the question to mind, God needs a playmate. God, God, is, God is bored. He has time to play. And he couldn't find any other species, any other creature in the whole world to play with besides this fish, this giant Leviathan fish. How do you understand the, the verse in Tehillim, the verse in Psalms? And as the Gemara says here, and you have it in the syllabus, that... Who is he sporting with? He's sporting with the male. Because it would be improper to say God is sporting with, with a female. It wouldn't sound modest. So therefore, it's, it's surely the male, especially that we say that he killed the, the, the female. So God is sporting with the male. Again, why does God need to sport with the male? So one of the answers that is given is that God plays with the male because... The male is sad. The male lost its spouse. The male lost its wife. And it's upset. How did God take away my wife? First he gives me a wife and then he takes away the wife. 
So I have a desire for her, I loved her, and now God took her away. Why? Because the world can't endure it. It's my problem that the world can't endure it, therefore I should lose out, says the Leviathan. So God says, you're right. You know what? I will make up for it. I, me and you will sit and play and have fun, and, and that way we'll kill time. Get the pun, we'll kill time till the day will come that you're going to be reunited with, with your loved one, with the uh, female of Yasa. What is the soid? What is the, the esoteric? The idea of Leviathan, the word Leviathan, besides being a literal fish, also etymologically means connection. We find this by Leah. When she gave birth to Levi, she said, now, this time my husband will be connected to me. You love Ishi You love is from the word Leviasa, which represents a connection. So according to Kabbalah, the Leviasa represents a connection between Yesh and Ayin, ex nihilo, the, the physical and the spiritual. Today, there's a separation between the physical and the spiritual. There's land and there's water. Even though whatever is on land is also in the water, yet when you look at the water, you see nothing. You see only the water. You don't see all the species all the animals and the mammals and the fish and the growth and the flowers that are beneath the water. The separation between land and water. The separation between the physical and the spiritual. So according to Kabbalah, Leviathan represents a time when the physical and the spiritual will truly be one. Let's get back to the original questions. And that is, why does God kill the female and what is the idea of assaulting the female? And how does this connect with all of us today? Why is it so important that God does this at the beginning of creation? If we're going to only eat from this delicious fish when Mashiach comes, so serve it then. Why, why start by, by creating it now and then killing it and preserving it for the future? So how do we understand this idea of Leviasa? According to Tuchsidis, the Leviasa represents Yehudei Law. In Tuchsidis, there's a concept called the higher unity and the lower unity. What is the higher unity? What is the lower unity? This we really say every day in the Shema. We put our hands over our eyes. We say, Shema Yisrael, Hashem, Likeinu, Hashem, Echad. Hear, O Israel, God is our Lord, and God is one. Why do we cover our eyes when we say, Shema Yisrael? Why can't we have our hands away from our eyes and have our eyes wide open? So the simple interpretation is, as it says in the quoted Jewish law, so you should concentrate. Because one of the, the verses that you have to actually know what you're saying is the Shema Yisrael. Most of the prayers you could perform with lip service. Even if you don't understand what you're saying, you fulfill your obligation because you said it. But when it comes to the Shema Yisrael, if you don't recite that verse, understanding the words of what you're saying, 
and concentrating here, O Israel, God is our Lord, God is one, you have not fulfilled the mitzvah of Shema Yisro. That's on a simple level. What is the deeper reason why we cover our eyes, according to Kabbalah? The reason why we cover our eyes is because when you close your eyes, what do you see? You see nothing. If anything, you see black, maybe, maybe you see some, some light, but you see nothing. That is really the intention of Shema Yisrael. When you say, here, O Israel, God is our Lord, what we're saying is there is nothing else that exists in the entire universe, in all of the galaxies, in all of the stars, in all the planets, outside of God. And in truth, even the planets don't exist. In truth, even the galaxies don't exist. There's only one reality. Everything else is false. It's a facade. That one reality is God. That is called Yichud Elah, the higher unity. And by closing our eyes, we are testifying, look, there's nothing else. I don't see anything. There is nothing besides God. Then we remove our hands from our eyes. Hey, hey, I do see a world. Hold on. There is a world over here. Baruch Shem Kavoyed Malchus May the name of his glorious kingdom be forever and ever. What does that mean? Yes, there's a table. Yes, there's a chair. Yes, there's a world. But all of this physical world is truly nullified to God. In other words, if God wasn't vivifying at every moment, if God wasn't actually saying the words of let there be heaven, and let there be earth, and let there be planets... As the Hashem Tov explains, that the actual words, the ten utterances of creation are actually hanging in the sky. In other words, the letters of these ten utterances constantly create and recreate the world every moment anew. If the world was not being created every moment anew, it would return to nothingness. And therefore, the world that we see, even though it's a physical world, is truly nullified to God. This is called Yichutato, the lower unity. So you have the higher unity, which is Yichur Ilah, and then you have the lower unity, Yichutato. What is Leviathan? The Leviathan represents this higher unity. In other words, that when Mashiach will come, every single person in this world that is alive at that time, and that will be resurrected after the coming of Mashiach. Jew, and also non-Jews, who believe in God, who follow the seven Noahide laws, and are from the pious of the nations of the world, will be able to experience this higher unity, which is, in a nutshell, the Leviathan, the Leviathan. Now, when it comes to this higher unity, there is the male and the female. There is the male Leviathan and the female Leviathan. What is the difference between male and female? The male represents a concept. The female represents elaboration. As we see biologically, the man emits the seeds, the drop, 
and the woman expands upon the sea for nine months. When it comes to Yichud law, when it comes to this higher unity, there's two aspects. There's the male aspect, which is okay, there's nothing that exists besides God. That's one point, one detail. And then there's the elaboration on it, which is to get into all the details and to truly understand it in a very, very deep way and to live that way in a very passionate and a very, very true way of existence. The majority of this world, the majority of people that exist today don't live on this plane of the higher unity. They live on the plane of the lower unity. The question is, is this something that we have to be concerned about? Is this something that we have to think about or is not none of our business? It's for the tzaddikim, the holy righteous people, the prophets. They have to know about this higher unity. But the average person like me and you, do we have to live on this level of the higher unity? Well, Mashiach will come, we'll worry about it. Says the Torah, no, God created Hatanidim Agadolim, He created Leviathan right now. In other words, even though the majority of the world cannot understand and comprehend this level, and, and more so cannot live by this level, yet it's something for all of us to know about now and to enter from time to time. Now, if the male and female would be alive, the world, the world could not exist. In other words, if every human being today would walk around on this level of Yichurillah, on the higher level, there is no world, the world could not endure it. There'd be no food, there'd be no jobs, there'd be no housing, there'd be no marriages, everybody's in the skies. The world could not endure the male and female of Yasan in this physical world. But the male of Yasan could exist, which means that every human being, every day, could say Shema Yisrael, here O Israel, God is our Lord and God is one. And for a split moment, concentrate and meditate on this higher unity. And number two, even the idea of the female, even though it was killed, the body is still in existence. Which means that one has the right to elaborate and to delve into these secrets of Kabbalah that deal with this reality or this higher unity, but yet the life is not there. In other words, the passion is not in that reality because our passion still needs to be for everyday life which is to eat and to work and to have a family and to live a normal human life. But yet, to delve into these concepts from time to time, 100%. Now, why is it important 
for us to delve into this Leviathan, to delve into this higher unity now, when it's not something for all people. And on the contrary, if we lived on this level constantly, the world couldn't exist. So why even deal with it? Why even delve into it? So there are two basic answers. Number one, for us to really experience the lower unity, which is Baruch Shem Kavoyim Achoset Oilam Vayed, that there is a world, but that the world is nullified to God, to really believe that and to really understand that, we need to enter into a higher place, into a higher space, that there is no world. Once we are familiar with this idea that there is no world, that there's only God, then we can believe and begin to understand the lower unity, that there is a world, but the lower world is also nullified before God. So you need that higher reality to kick in for us to appreciate the lower reality. Number two, even more importantly, the Alter Rebbe writes in Tanya, in chapter 37, that all the revelations and all the, the rewards that we are going to receive after Mashiach comes is conditional based on our actions and our commitment in this world throughout the days of exile. In other words, the future depends on now. The future is the outgrowth and the culmination of everything that we do throughout the days of exile. Our work, our participation, our involvement, everything we do now, that is the way it's going to be when Mashiach comes. In other words, it says, one who prepares before Shabbos will eat on Shabbos. If Friday afternoon or Thursday night or Wednesday, you buy, you buy groceries and salad and fruit and you filter fish and chicken and meat and, you, and then you cook it up on Thursday night and Friday and then you make challah before Shabbos. Come Shabbos, you have food. But let's say you didn't prepare to get filter fish and let's say you didn't put the challah into the oven even though you made the dough and you braided the challah and you put the eggs on top of it. And you put the sesame seeds on top of that. But you didn't put it into the oven. There is no challah for Shabbos. For us to be able to have this meal when Mashiach comes, for us to be able to experience all the revelations that has been promised to us in the Messianic era, we must in this generation prepare ourselves and, and create that reality. So everything we do today is like taking all the money and putting it into a treasure box. When Mashiach comes, we open it up and we, we begin to, to appreciate it and we begin to, to experience it and to, and to truly enjoy it. But now we plant the seeds. Every time we do a mitzvah, we're planting a seed. And in the interim, these seeds are planted in paradise and begins to grow. But we don't eat from these apples and we don't eat from this fruit and we don't begin to truly enjoy all the labor 
that we have invested in throughout the days of exile until Mashiach comes. And this is hinted by the idea that the Leviasa was created at the beginning of time to tell us what we will eat later was created earlier. The benefits that we will receive when Mashiach comes has to start today is based on our actions in this world at this time. This is the concept of schar mitzvah mitzvah. The reward of the mitzvah is the mitzvah itself. So now we do the mitzvah, the reward will come after. The same idea applies to the Leviathan. Yes, we are going to benefit from the Leviathan after Mashiach comes, but it had to be created now at the beginning of time to imply that the actions that we do today is what we will benefit when Mashiach comes. The reward of the mitzvah is the mitzvah itself. The eating of the Leviathan was the Leviathan that was created already at the beginning of creation. Another important lesson. We said earlier that Rashi tells us on the verse, it's not good for man to be alone. Therefore, God needed to give man a wife. And this is also a reason why the Yasan needed to have its spouse, its soulmate, to imply that the Yasan is not a god, is not a deity, but rather it needs also a spouse. From here we learn a very important practical lesson. And that is, a person needs to be married. A person needs to have a spouse. Even one who's a Leviasa. Even one who says, I am connected to God. Leviasa means connection. I'm very spiritual. I don't have material needs. I don't have material desires. I don't have physical desires. There's no reason for me to have a spouse. Says Torah, It's not good for man to be alone. Why? Number one is you begin to think you're a deity. Because no one contradicts you, no one challenges you, and everything you say is perfect and amazing and brilliant, it becomes very counterproductive to have such a life. Furthermore, you think you don't have to have a spouse because you're a big tzaddik, you're holy. Your neighbor will think he's also holy. He doesn't need a spouse either. So each neighbor looks at the next neighbor and says, look, if that guy or that woman doesn't need to have a spouse because they're so holy and perfect, they have no needs or desires, why do I need to get involved with this whole mishigas? I don't need it either. <laughs> Who needs a headache? I'll do what I want. I'll live alone. Comes the Torah and says that 
the world cannot endure such a life of Leviasa. The world cannot endure people who are above the world because there'll be no desire to procreate. There's a very interesting interpretation from the Tfedis Renison. And he says that the two fishes represent two different types of desires. One is a desire for idolatry and one is a desire for intimacy. When God killed the female, that was the desire for idolatry. Because what is idolatry? A man, a Jew, a person is married to God. When we serve an idol, basically we're serving another God. It's cheating on your wife. So this, this desire, God killed, so to speak. That we have the power to overcome that temptation. But, but the, the first Leviosa, the male, which is a desire for intimacy, that God did not kill. So in other words, from here we learn a very practical lesson. And no one is too great or too smart or too holy or too wealthy or too intelligent to, to say that I do not need a partner in life. On the contrary, if we live such a life of Leviasa, that I am alone, then the world cannot endure. So here we see the, the story of Leviasa on various levels, starting from creation and how it will be when Mashiach will come. But Leviasa is only one detail of this great meal. We need to discuss also what is the meaning of this this Sher Habur, this wild ox, what is the meaning of the wine, what is the meaning of the fruit, etc., etc., which we will, God willing, talk about in, in future classes. But up until then, we hope and pray that we will continue to, to do Torah and mitzvahs, to learn more and to study more, and to truly connect to God, not only through Yichud Tata, on a lower unity, but also once in a while, to try to connect on a higher unity with the recital of the Shema Yisrael, at the same time, to also remember that we have a duty to, to procreate and to, and to make sure that the world runs smoothly based on ethics and values by following the seven Noahide laws and following the, the Torah mitzvahs. And we hope and pray to soon see very quickly the Kami of Mashiach and this delicious fish, the salted herring, the Leviathan, speedily in our days. Amen. Okay, we have a few minutes for questions. If anyone. Why did you say herring? I thought that the, this big fish was something else. It's a metaphor, but, but, but the fish is a kosher fish. The Gemara says that it has fins and it has scales. So it's a kosher fish. Um, is it a herring? It's not a herring. No, it's not a herring. It's Leviasan. What is Leviasan? I don't know. Nobody tastes Leviasan yet. We have no idea how it is. But it's going to be, like I mentioned earlier, the, the Chavaz Chaim says, because it was created at the beginning of time, 
It's very, very potent. What's the etymology of Leviathan? What is the word like? So, so, so I said. So, so I said. I said earlier that the, uh, the etymology of Leviathan is the word Levi. Levi. I oh, she says the, the light. Yeah, yeah I which. Heard when you said so, so Levi's son, Levi means to connect. Levi's high. No, that's with the that's with the base. Oh. With the vav, it's it's hapam. You love Ishia light. This time, my husband will connect with me. Yeah. And that's why Levim, they were in the holy temple. They're always connected to God. But, and this word is this Leviathan is also. The whole, I mean, what is the other part of the word? If it's Lev is so, 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 Levi, son, son, or the nun represents the female. The nun is a female, representing the 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 uh, recipient, both male and female. Rabbi, uh, this yeah. this fish was created at, at, in creation. Yeah. When Hashem created the world, yeah. right? And we're not going to eat, we're not going to feast on this fish until Mashiach comes. Right. That's going to be one tough fish. It's <laughs> <laughs> just, just a joke. Look, obviously it's a very big fish. <laughs> but it's going to be a tough fish. All right, I have a question. Yeah, go ahead. So the, you, said the, you said the, the male Leviathan symbolizes intimacy with God, and the female Leviathan symbolizes the idolatry. You said that earlier. That's according to, to one opinion. So, but, but we're feasting on something that symbolizes... How do we explain okay. this? Again, that, that, that is one interpretation. Yeah. That's not my, my, main, right, my right. main approach. It's it. interesting. I'm just, I'm just uh, using yeah. it as a support this here says, mm-hmm. to what I said earlier. Right. But, but basically, according to Chassidus, the, the idea of the female advice represents mm-hmm. the higher unity, which is, which is constant. Mm-hmm. And, and the idea of eating... The Leviathan means that we're going to internalize it. Garments represent the connection which is around us, but it's not really one with mm-hmm. us. When you eat something, it becomes one with your body, one with your, your, your blood and your flesh, implying that every person at that time will not only see God and understand God and love God, but that this higher level of unity will be part of who we are. Right. And that's the idea of eating from mm-hmm. the fish. That's going to really be something which is central and, and, and intrinsic to, to your life and, and to who you are. So, Rabbi, this, this yeah. heading that you have, it's like yeah. Torah and Gomorrah. It's like Sodom and Gomorrah, like when she turns and she turns to salt. Is that, in, the Torah, is that, in the Torah and Gomorrah. Is that, is that like you're trying to analogize? And like an analogy to Simon and Gomorrah? Is that what she means? Yeah, it's my secretary. Yeah. <laughs> what she means. Huh? She means in the written Torah and in the oral Torah. But it also, you also refer to salt, that the fish was salt. And she turns to salt in the, in the Torah. She turns to... She turns, he tells her, don't in, turn in, around. In Kabbalah, the name, the name of the female fish is called Melach, salt. Could, could you... That's another interpretation. Could you think about huh? the female... Leviathan being preserved and it's sort of in a sense like getting better with time that would in effect redeem the, the exile, redeem the time of waiting for the mm-hmm. That's a beautiful idea. So there's no there's no question that that, that the, the female Leviathan represents a much higher level uh, of unity than the male. And and yes, this is being preserved 
A, because not everyone has the ability to, to reach this level. So therefore it's not available. And, and number two is that um, it's a reward. It's a reward that we're going to receive in the world to come because of the fact that we are working so hard and, and we are bettering ourselves and we are preparing ourselves for this ultimate day and an era and, and really eternity. So then we are going to have the ability to receive the reward of the Leviathan. But it's clear from Chassidus that the, that the, that the female Leviathan is much greater than the male Leviathan. And that's the main reason why it was preserved over the male. But, the, but, but by the way, we're going to talk about uh, in the future weeks, next week probably, what, what, the, what, the, what the male Leviathan is going to do when Mashiach comes, but we'll get to that. Is it still preserved now? Who, the female fish? Yeah, it's in Benzi's fish right now, in <laughs> Crown Heights. <laughs> they, have, they have herring called Leviathan herring. <laughs> it's right there. In a practice, do we eat herring every Sabbath? Uh, uh, great point. One of the reasons, one of the reasons, correct, that we eat on Shabbos fish is because Shabbos is a taste of the world to come. And just like in the world to come, God's going to prepare at the meal fish and meat. We're going to have both fish and meat. And it says that the third meal is going to be the highest level. And that's why you're supposed to have fish because Leviathan is the highest level of the meal that we're going to experience after Mashiach comes. So what you're saying is, is very true. Yes. Good point. Very good point. Sudat Shlishit. Huh? Sudat Shlishit. Sudat Shlishit. Yeah. Okay, any last, last words? Closing arguments? <laughs> no? No closing arguments? Yet, yet, the cover of me, Baga, and the